All right, welcome to the Salty Dogs uh, podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> Casey's bursting with yeah. excitement. We're ready to cast our pods upon me. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, man, it's it's awesome to be back. We're always excited to be together recording. Yeah. And, uh, man, Casey and I had to throw together another emergency podcast session because we're both out of town here in the next couple of weeks. And yeah. so, so here we are, but whenever we're kind of up against the pressure, um, some really cool things start to happen. Um, yeah. we, we spoke with, uh, Mr. Matthew Pinner, who's back on the podcast. Whoa. Repeat customer. Is this, am I the first repeat? I you just, are the first, you're repeat. the first repeat. Do guy. I get a prize? Dang. Well, uh, I'll give you a glass of water. You I did give here. me the bumper sticker last week. I gave him a bumper sticker. <laughs> oh, He's got a go. salty that's dog good. That's sticker. That's why I'm doing this. It was that's, the bumper sticker. It was the sticker, yeah. So <laughs> I had to Matthew, get him here somehow. <laughs> Matthew Penner's back, and so we're super excited about that as well. Uh, we had a really good podcast with him. I can't remember what episode it was, but it was Matthew Penner and Jason Regeer, right? Oh, and uh, right. we talked about Kingdom Living. Podcast. That was our second part of Kingdom Living. So yeah, it was really good. good. Yeah. I, I've actually had really good feedback on awesome. that from from multiple people and the Lord stirring people through that and so that's really awesome and we have a an extra special guest a first timer on the salty dogs podcast and Mr. James Weishar is that how you say it yes i came cuz i heard there's a bumper sticker <laughs> <laughs> that's right we give away bumper stickers for being guests and so if you've been a guest on the salty dogs podcast and you've not gotten a bumper sticker hit me up and i'll hook you up I like that. Yeah. And if there's any listeners that want a bumper sticker, right? Hit me up and I'll hook you up. But they got to send in a donation for the free gift. That's right. For $39.95, we'll bless you with the Salty Dogs Podcast bumper sticker. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Too much of that. We were talking about that. Yeah. So so let me tell you, um, we were talking with Matthew Pinner the other day and just kind of having some conversation and saying, hey, man, what what do you think our topic should be? Like, you know, if you want to come back on, what do you think we should talk about? And so the Lord's really been stirring Matthew Pinner up uh, recently through this book that he's reading. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the persecuted church. Mm. And uh, so he suggested, hey, we need to bring James on. And uh, I think he's going to really have a lot to add. And so we want to give James uh, just a quick moment, um, you know, Two minutes or so. Give us the give us the brief rundown. Uh, I know James from New Life Equip on Saturday nights that meets at uh, Jesus Life, 5 p.m. Right, yes. and he's also a part of a missionary in Disciple Nation. Right. Yes. All right. And what's the website for Disciple Nations? Uh, DiscipleNations.net. Dot net. You go. You guys go check that out. Awesome website. Awesome um, yeah. resources there. So tell us a little bit yes. about yourself, James. Well, I, uh, my wife and I, we have been in ministry since we got married, and so we are coming up on 15 years this summer, and so we have done uh, full-time ministry since then, and we have uh, been in youth ministry, and we have been in, uh, um, we've pastored a church for the last several years, and so now we're stepping out of that into uh, more missionary work. Uh, our heart is really to stir the church to uh, be the bride of Christ, who they're made to be. And so we are coming alongside the church more than uh, simply leading the church mm-hmm. to uh, help them awaken to who they're supposed to be yeah. in Christ, find their identity, walk in the uh, the gifts that the Lord's given them, walk in the passion that he's placed inside their heart. He's put uh, mission inside of every believer's heart, and we want to see them awaken uh, to that mission and for the glory of Jesus filling the earth, whether that is uh, something local or that is something abroad. 
but either way, and then in the middle of all of this, the Lord just keeps stirring our heart for the persecuted church. It stirs our heart for the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, took our whole family of five with our three kids over there last summer. And the Lord Where'd you just, guys? Oh, you can't tell me where you went. Yeah, we can tell you. Yeah, okay, we were okay. we were in uh, we were in Jordan and we were in Lebanon. Okay. And so we were just meeting with the local churches there, and we wanted to again just uh, come alongside the church there. And so uh, many uh, pastors, even here in the United States, walk a very lonely road. But in the Middle East, it's it's a very very lonely road. And so yeah. we want to mm. come alongside uh, pastors and their families and really just care for them and uh, serve them, wash their feet. Um, if we could really look at it from that perspective is what we want to really do. And then also our heart is to stir up prayer mm-hmm. and disciple making in uh, some of the most difficult places to do that. And so that's what we're doing is coming alongside the church. Yeah, that's awesome. Whether Jane. it's local or abroad. Yeah. Absolutely. We everything you talked about just resonates in my heart. It, it just really reminds me that, uh, one, we're all part of the same tribe. Yes. Um, there's just this, this heart and kind of this resurgence or even just maybe a, a just a new thing stirring up in, in people's hearts who have been in ministry or left ministry. And they're saying, man, I want to get out and I, and I want to begin to build up and equip the body so that they can be activated into what the Lord has called them to do. Service, and bro. we talked Service. about that last podcast about mm-hmm. activating people into their call based on their gifting and their role to the body. And yes. it's good stuff. And James and his wife are so cool, man. And he's right on about what he's saying about activating because, uh, you know, they're, he doesn't know, but he holds a special place in my heart because him and his wife actually, they, they spoke, she spoke prophetically into my life and activated inside of me my role and my calling within the kingdom, but then also within the body. And I've been able to, you know, to, to, you know, go forth in that and stuff too. So I really like James and he's a good guy, man. I'm excited that he's here. I'm excited Thank that you. Matt's here too, but you know, it's a good crew, man. <laughs> it's a good crew. Matthew said something one day. He said, bro, with, with the DN crew, you've, you can go deep in this podcast. Like there, there are multiple, multiple people that could come on and really, uh, give, um, some wisdom and some experience. And that's what salty dogs podcast is all about yeah, is exactly. learning from anybody. And so, um, Matthew, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it over to you um, here in just a second. But what I want you to do is give us just a real quick um, kind of a a look into what we want for the listener today. Because I mean, I I know personally, um, I don't I don't have a lot of experience with persecution. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially in comparison to what's happening overseas and that kind of thing. My first exposure to any kind of persecution that was taking place was going to a voice of the martyrs conference in Branson, Missouri, probably about two years ago. And I, I literally cried about 95% of the time just because hearing stories is breaking my heart. And so I'm interested um, today in this podcast to be kind of in the listener seat and learn because I, I don't know so much about what's going on, but for the listener out there, um, what do we want for them um, to gain from this conversation tonight? Yeah, it's good. And I, I want to say that, um, you know, even as James and I come, our hearts are certainly stirred, but we're both learners. And I, I, I want to say I, I, we approach this very humbly, right? This is something our, our brothers and sisters are, are, there's a lot of tremendous suffering and they're dying and, and being persecuted for our faith. And we 
come in this podcast in a place of freedom. And I'm grateful that we have that. So I just say with humbly, but my own heart, you know, being a missionary um, in the inner city and, and among the poor is where my heart's been locked for 17 years. And, and so I think that there's a tendency for us to get focused on what we're called to do. Yeah. And, and there's, um, you know, and, and another tendency, we're, we're inundated with news, aren't we? You know, you think of the amount of news that I have access, you know, I can flip through Twitter, or Facebook, and get work, you know, find out what's happening in every single country at every single hour. And so I just think that because of that, I was locked on the inner city thing and what God's doing here. And sometimes it was easy for me to not pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so that was just kind of, I think maybe, it, I think everybody would say it's easy to not pay attention out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. so I think I just found myself in the last maybe 10 months that God started inviting me into this journey and, and exploring more my own heart. I think if I'm honest, it, w- it really was James and Stephanie, them sharing their hearts, going to few prayer times. But really what it was, was, I mean, obviously I have a heart for prayer, but this a book specific, the first book I read was called Killing Christians. And you can find that on Amazon, but it was the second book called The Insanity of God, written by Nip Nick Ripken. And I'll just give the, the brief synopsis. He was a a missionary in Africa. The last seven years or so, he was in Somaliland, which is a part of Somalia, and just saw tremendous suffering in the early 90s. Mm. And out of that um, incredible brokenness and did not see the gospel go forward, and after seven years, they lost their son, and they came home completely burned out and basically saying, God, does the gospel work? Are you still victorious? Are you alive? Wow. And he realized he had to find that out. And so as they talked with some college students, they basically went on a journey that's really been the last 15 to 20 years interviewing hundreds and hundreds of believers. But in that this book, The Insanity of God, the second half of the book, he, he goes to Russia and Ukraine, China, and basically finds out that not only does the gospel endure during persecution it actually thrives Mm -hmm. and that actually is maybe the recipe for incredible gospel explosion and and so just as i read these stories in the last weeks i've just found my heart absolutely gripped and then it's honestly if i'm looking at the scriptures it's like wow this is actually a normal part of the bible that we all know again but it's kind of like it's it's making the books book of acts alive for me as i listen to these stories so that's my so i guess my hope is as we discuss this that you the listener Mm -hmm. would be engaged and not turn a deaf ear it's easy again more um, believers are persecuted more we we see that but to actually understand and and invite you in so as we share these stories that's kind of my heart that you'd be be engaged a little bit sure Yep, sounds good. Well, do you have something to say, James? Yeah, I just just for everybody listening, as we you hit on something earlier that said out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And I uh, I grew up in church, and for the most part, uh, I had that mentality. And what I really grew to realize is is over time, I realized well, those that's so sad. I know nothing to do about that. Mm-hmm. And and so you just ignore it. Uh, but what we really, I wanted to emphasize to the listeners today is the persecuted church is still the church. Yeah. And yeah. so we need to recognize that we, we are all, when one part of the body Amen. suffers, we all suffer. And, and so the reason I think we even hear these stories and they tear us up is because the spirit of God inside of us causes Absolutely. that because there, we, yeah. one part of the body can't be hurting while the other part is ignoring it. 
Right. And, and well, so we just, just hopefully the Lord even stirs that amongst us t- today. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when, you know, mourn with those who are mourning, you know, and celebrate with those who are celebrating, you know, and it is all in unity. And, you know, also uh, on this, I think it's going to raise awareness too, because I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, like you said, out of sight, out of mind, but they just, they don't really get a whole lot of exposure because over here, you know, we're just, it's so, it's so distant to us. It's such a distant thing, you know, in the land that we live in. And, you know, when you go to these other places and certainly you guys can, you know, I don't know Jason, if Jason's been to another country, but, you know, uh, so Mexico one time oh. or twice, but that's uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but certainly when you get over there, you realize how much you don't, how much, and I want to say this lightly, I thought that I cared about people you know what I mean? And cared about the church abroad. But when you get there, you realize how much you don't actually care. You know what I mean? And that's part of the heartbreaking part. But I think this is, you know, it's cool to, to raise awareness and to talk about these things and get people engaged, man. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, get us rolling, bud. Yeah, so here's a, let me um, read this. It was a paragraph here, and then I'll, I've got a point we can jump in on, just an interesting quote. But this is kind of the end of the book. They said, these believers have also taught me a whole new perspective on persecution for decades now, many concerned Western believers have sought to rescue their spiritual brothers and sisters around the world who suffer because they choose to follow Jesus. Yet our pilgrimage among house churches and persecution convinces us that God actually wants to use them to save us from the often debilitating and sometimes spiritually fatal effects of our watered-down, powerless mm. Western faith. So let me Ouch. talk here about the Chinese. I'll tell one story, and then we'll it'll jump. So he okay. part of his journey was in the 90s. So this was, you know, communism was in China for 50 years, and so there was missionaries, and then they had to leave. And so for 50 years, no one knew, is the, is the gospel going forth? And so basically he came right at kind of the end, and so the church, they had to be really careful Um um, and they have always still with the persecution in China. But anyway, so one of the, the statements that was interesting is they talked about our seminary training is when you go to prison. That's where you're trained in the Bible, where you're trained as a disciple. And so one of the guys, young man, was was 25 years old. And he came up to Nick that, that wrote the author of this book. And he was just as excited as could be, had plans for a house church. And, oh, yeah. and he leaves. And one of the older, you know, senior um, members of the Chinese persecuted church said, oh, he's, he's going to be used greatly of God, but he hasn't been to prison yet. And he's wow. not quite seasoned enough. And so that just, that thought, you know, you think of what does it take with qualifications to be a pastor in the American church. And listen, I, this is, I don't want to discount our training, but it's just an interesting thing to think about. Their seminary training is prison. They don't, they don't trust a guy until he's been to prison, right? I read some of the others. They, they won't consider a, a true believer unless you've led others to the Lord and you're actively actively leading a house church. Those are true believers. Everybody else is just converts and members. So when you're serious is when you've led people to the Lord, been to prison, and just it's an interesting contrast when you think of the Christianity that, that often we see here. That's a really interesting contrast, and I don't feel like there's much of a gray area between what I've known versus what I've just heard. Like, that's yeah. such a major contrast, you know? It just... When I when I thought about becoming a better quote unquote pastor, um, my first inclination was, well, I'm gonna 
I'm going to develop a deeper philosophy of ministry. Like that was my, this is what I'm going to do. And so, well, I need to figure out where I stand on predestination and I need to figure out, you know, where I stand on, on eldership and deacons and things like that. And so here I am trying to better myself as a pastor, trying to, to lay deeper hold of doctrine, which is a good thing. But in the Chinese persecuted church, they're saying, well, you can have your doctrine down, but if you've not been to prison, if you've not been persecuted, so to speak, and thrived and come out of that, then, you know, we're really not going to take you seriously or we're just going to let the Lord do what he's going to do in you kind of thing. And it, to me, I just, I just had this image in my head as I, as I was saying that of a foot coming and stepping down on a flower and trampling on trampling over a flower, but then the flower kind of just coming back up. Right. And so it's whether or not you've been able to, so to speak, bounce back or the spirit in you continues to propel you and move you forward, even though you've been trampled on, you know what I mean? And so that, that is an interesting contrast. Mm. <laughs> Casey's like, what am I, I going to say? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, and I don't, I don't want to go ham on the church, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I used to for a while, and it, but it is real. It's a real thing. And, you know, the prison over there versus, you know, the prison of, I don't know, the, just the prison of wealth that we have here, you know, that keeps us really <laughs> barred and chained. And it, and, and it doesn't it doesn't register, you know, with with a lot of people, just how how different it really is. And when you when you by and large, when you read the book of Acts, when you read those kind of stories, when you read about all the church fathers, when you read about those guys that are dying, being killed for their faith, you know, it's I still I just can't I can't say it enough. It just doesn't it doesn't seem real, you know, coming from where we come from, you know, yeah. to be prison, man, that you want a deeper relationship with God? Well, you know, we could find that in prison for have being been, in prison for it. You yeah. know, well, let's, let's get you locked up first. <laughs> James, what do you have to say to that story? I, uh, it's hard. It's hard to listen to. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we should recognize that, there's a cost in following Jesus Amen. Yeah. and we need to uh, shore up the cost and, and think about the cost and say, is Jesus worth it? Amen. And cause that's really why they're sitting in prison. Right. Is because they, they said it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. I'm going to go give this great news away. And if it costs me time in prison or if it costs me my life, I want other people to hear it and I want Jesus to be glorified on the earth. And so they're willing to step into that. And just here, as you, you know, Casey, you were talking about how we have wealth and we have a lot of security and things and we're, we're pretty guarded from what we would say is, is real persecution. Um, and we don't really count the cost. Mm -hmm. We don't really count the cost of following Jesus. Uh, and so, for us here to think about, okay, what is my cost? My cost, I mean, there's some things we can begin to really talk about that are really truthful and, um, and they go against some mainstream thought. Yeah. And if we were to actually step out into those things and glorify Jesus by proclaiming the truth of him in those things, um, there's going to be some, some greater cost for us. I mean, it's still perhaps a slap on the wrist comparatively, but 
um, you know, you, people lose jobs and people lose reputations uh, for this thing. I don't think there's one time the gospel's ever been spoken that persecution hasn't taken place. Mm. And so even here in the West, you know, if, if we're not facing persecution, I think we really need to take a look at ourselves and say, am I really even sharing the gospel? Because I think there'll be persecution anytime and anywhere. Because it's not just people hating the message. There's warfare against the message. Mm -hmm. There will be persecution wherever it's spoken. And so I think we need to, even before we go out, say, am I willing to count this cost um, and go for it? Because Jesus is worthy. Jesus is, um, you know, desiring all men to be saved. He died for all men to be saved. And we I don't think we can ignore that fact. Mm. It's good. You know, the James, as I as we've talked and this verse, um, first Peter four says the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober minded so that yeah. you can pray. And I think there's something that James just says I hear you and this cost is, yeah, Jesus is worth it. And I think persecution keeps you humble and keeps you focused on the kingdom of God. And I, I think, unfortunately, I, I'm in my own life, I, I can get so locked on the kingdom and then I can also get locked on the American dream, Gosh, right? Yeah. And yes. I want the American dream and the gospel. And some often we've sold that, right? And um, and yet, if I'm honest, when I, when I hear you talk, James, I think proclaiming boldly the gospel, living in the fullness of what Jesus has, living the fullness of, of prayer, um, seeing the kingdom manifest is, I think we'll face persecution here. Yeah, again, it may yeah. look different. And and I wonder, am I, I think often I'm thinking, well, is that worth it? And I shrink back and I'm thinking, that's what my heart's been challenged in the last couple months is it's worth everything and that that's, I need to be all in and always and endure. And it is challenging. You know, it is a challenge. And I love that what Jesus said, count the cost, you know, because you're going to look like a fool if you if you start something that you're not able to finish and you're going to feel foolish, you know, and I just and man, this is really challenging me, you know, just even we're only what 15 minutes in and this is already challenging me in my spirit, man, like, am I, you know, and these are good questions to ask, you know, am I committed? And I think a lot of times in my life when I look, I look back and I look even at the little bit of persecution where I've been ridiculed or something by people because of just saying a couple things about Jesus. And you're absolutely right, James, you know, it, it does bring a persecution and it will, you know, and I just think I'm like, man, and I'm somewhat in a sense, I'm envious, you know, of churches and other places. Like when I went to India and I'm talking to these pastors and I'm like, man, and they want to be like us. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, you guys have no idea how here you have it right now, you know, and I, I find myself being envious of that kind of, of living in that kind of situation. But then I find myself not being envious yeah. of it just, because I live here, you know, like, paint us a picture real quick, because you did a really good job of kind of describing some of the places where they held worship and some of the stuff that was going on. And so talk about where they were, but then kind of some of the requests that they were making that was going to kind of elevate what they were doing and how you were like, no. Yeah. And you know, uh, <laughs> Going there was really, and everybody, you know, was, oh, it was so eye-opening. It was it was night and day, and you know, they're they are living in shacks. You know what I mean? They're living in the dirt. They're living in 
poor they you know and and so india it's a really dark dark place when you get there you know you uh, you literally feel an overwhelming so, so sense of idolatry and you know because they're worshiping pagan gods they're you know it's demonic and so it's 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 just a country enshrouded in darkness and so when i get there you know and paint like what what where they're at like in a sense of well, I mean, just the work, because it's something I remember you saying was that they kept asking for money so they could buy um, sound yeah. systems and microphones. All, yeah, and, and, and so I'd go to these churches where, you know, a lot of the times it was just a tarp or two tarps thrown across the ground and a handful of believers, you know what I mean? And and I'm sitting here asking them, you know, hey, what what are the needs? You know, what what is a need that you have? And, and their, their fixation on, well, we need a sound system. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, we need a sound system so we could... I'm like, that does... You have a church of twelve people. I literally just sat here and and you know preached for at you know I didn't even have to raise my voice. What do you need a sound system? You know, like the fixation on buildings and and you know just just sound systems and all these crazy things. They have this you know our Western thought of of how to do ministry has crept into these places. And in my opinion, it's 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 you know causing impurity and you know and so and the, so for the, you and the what, money you know even the money all they were asking for was money 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 you know mm-hmm. and to me it was just so what was more what because you said something about it just seemed more pure so what was kind of more pure about that for you no distraction you know what i mean they don't have anything there to be distracted by in a sense of you know of course they have jobs or they have tasks or they have school or whatever they have to, but but for the most part there it's not this insane amount of of just you know media and so mm-hmm. so you know that's just a society that we have there's none of there's really none of that there i mean there's a lot of places that are overcrowded but you go out to these villages they don't have you don't have tvs man you don't have nothing you know they have nothing and to me i i found myself uh you know just coming to a new place with god and so when i found that place and i saw god moving in those places i was like man i wish that i could experience this in america you know, because they, it is pure there. It is a pure, and you know, they are, they're not being persecuted to, well, they have, when I was there, they were burning churches up in the north part, you know what I mean? And So it hadn't reached that region But it hasn't really, but they still look at you strange when you're a Christian, and they, they and when you're a Christian, you leave the family, it's a, it's a dishonor, you know, and they, you're excommunicated. They, it's really weird over there. They want Hindutva, they want Christian, you know, they, don't, they want Hindu only. They don't want Christians there, you know, and so it's it's starting to get to a point where, you know, Sun, Brother Sunji sent me a, I shared that text with you, that message where it was that flyer telling them to leave their homes if they're Christian, you know what I yeah. mean, or convert back to Hinduism, you know, and so, mm-hmm. but the purity there, anyway, I don't know, I don't want to make this about me, I'm just saying. That's fine, I just thought it was interesting that you just said you kind of crave that, and because, yeah. I mean, I, I think for the, something I was going to ask, and I really didn't know how to phrase the question, but, you know, I hear about, I've heard stories of persecution, um, being at the Voice of the Martyrs conference, I mean, you've you've told me a couple stories, Matthew, and you know, it just kind of, it kind of blows my mind, you know, and and I just, I guess I kind of wonder, and you know, James was talking about counting the cost as well, and so, I just kind of wonder what it is about myself, and maybe what you think it is about yourself, that maybe just kind of holds you back a little bit. I mean, because I know, I I, I talked about this on Sunday. Um, in First Peter chapter one verse seventeen, um, it says, "Since therefore you you serve a God who um, judges each man impartially, um, it says, live in reverent fear as foreigners, 
And so we started talking a little bit about living as a foreigner. And so that means that, uh, or living as a stranger, living as an exile. And so as we're here in this world, the, the world and its ways and its systems and this worldly culture, and essentially we talk, started talking about Babylonian system that is set up by sin for sin and is all about self is completely, totally contrary to God that somehow I've managed to bring with me some Babylonian system as I move forward as a Christian. And so that I have a deep longing to shed and leave as much of that behind as I can. But I talked about how if I get a headache, I take Tylenol. If I'm sleeping in the morning, I drink caffeine. You know, if, if I'm really exhausted, I take a nap. It, you know, if I'm hungry, I go and I not only eat, but I stuff myself. And so I've created a certain level of comfort for myself that has been really difficult for me to leave behind. And so with, with all that said, how do we kind of move forward past all of that and really count the cost and say, yes, Lord, like, I mean, practically, if, if at all possible, and then maybe how that, how that feeds into to the, the conversation that we're having. I, uh, I don't really have an answer to that because I'm still struggling <laughs> with the same str- things. Yeah. But what, Teach us your ways, James. What comes, well, these are Jesus' ways. What comes to my mind is, is you, you die to self. Yeah. And I don't even know how to really truly die to myself. I just have to cry out to God and say, help me die. I want to live for you. And mm. in, in that, I begin to think through um, cause he's faithful to answer that prayer and it actually becomes quite painful in my life when he begins to answer yeah. that prayer because well, dying's painful and, but what it produces in, in the, uh, in the outflow is life. I mean, Jesus, Jesus calls himself, I, I am, I am eternal life. And that begins to, to produce in me a seed that grows and, and life begins to flourish inside of me. Um, and that's the only real answer I have to that is, Lord, um, my old nature needs slayed, and um, I'm going to live for you. And so I'm going to put to death those things, and I'm going to really need your help because I love those things, and I really love Gosh. my comfort. And so just over time in my life, the Lord, just when you give him permission, and I don't have any of this figured out. I really don't. Um, as I give him permission, he begins to shake my life. And I remember him asking us to move across town and put our house on the market when there's no houses to purchase and begin to just trust him in little things. And and you just begin to uh, walk through what it, those little steps of obedience and say, okay, well, I ask for this and now it's happening. Do I really want this? And do I really want Jesus? And if I do, I'm going to step into this most uncomfortable thing. I remember there was a couple years in my life, uh, a couple years back, most days were filled with weeping. Wow. And just the Lord was taking me through, uh, the dying process and life began producing in me. And man, I, I, I want that for every believer. I don't want them to go through all of the pain I felt because I had a lot of selfishness that really had to die. Um, and I don't know if everybody really has all that, but, um, for me it was, it was miserable and I would go through it again. Absolutely. It was worth it because I, I got Jesus's heart out of the deal. 
and I got Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus hmm. through the process. And suffering. Yeah. Emo- although yeah. there's emotional The suffering, suffering in me did something. I mean, even what is a, there's a scripture. I don't remember exactly, so I'm not going to look it up, but it, it says Jesus was even taught obedience, obedience through obedience. suffering. Yep. And so if Jesus was taught obedience through suffering, well, how do you think our obedience is going to come? How yeah. are we going to really learn to live for Jesus unless we're going to suffer? Right. And you look at you look at God the Father and and you know what Jesus went through. And why would it be any different for any other son of God? You know what I mean? If the if the archetype Amen. of us had to do what he had to do, you know, why would it be different for us? And why should we expect anything less? And man, I'm right there with you, bro, because there's years of years of my life and I'm just now coming out of that season, but there was years of my life, man, where I was completely broken before the Lord and God was crushing my life and Mm. destroying it. You know, everything that I was, that I was, but out of it, man, I would, uh, you were absolutely, and I, that hit home with me, James, like I would do that again. You know what I mean? Just to, just to, be in the place that I was when I came out, you know what I mean? Yeah, let me read that verse. I I actually referred to that last night. It's in Hebrews 5. Um, in the days of his flesh, uh, verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was be- he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And so, you know, you just, you, I, w- I wanted to try and quote a couple of verses just because I don't completely know them verbatim. But, sure. you know, talking about dying to self, um, there's a scripture that says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground yep. and dies, it's not going to produce a harvest. And the other one, Jesus just said, you know, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. If you try and save your own life for you, you you're going to lose it. Um, if any man would come after me, he must take up his cross daily, die to self, and follow me, right? Yeah. There's in in some way or another, but you're talking about this, this time of weeping and dying where there's this life that came out of you. And so just to kind of bring that all back into context, I think that the persecuted church um do you feel like there's more of a cost for them than there is for a cost for us well i think and, and it's it's kind of a weird question to ask maybe i didn't ask it right but how would you answer that i i think there is probably a higher cost for them only because you know in the middle east there's there's laws in place to uh, i mean you can you can kill your family if they convert to Christianity. And so that's not, legally lawfully. Yeah. Legally and lawfully. And no one's, no one's going to say anything against that. Gosh. And so it's not just, um, you know, you get, uh, things taken like here in America, you know, there's, you get brought front and center if you do something really public and, and you know, and some things might happen, but that, that might happen and nobody even knows that, that person, that family member's just gone. And you know, there's a, So it's not only within your own family, but I remember um, in one of the countries, someone just shared something on Facebook and they were on their way to to court uh, to be tried in law and someone put a bullet in their head. And, you know, they might get a couple days in prison for that, Um, you know, slap on the wrist for 
Killing for, a Christian. Yeah, for killing somebody in public. But um, but it's but it's legal. And so it's, I, the only reason I think it's it's a, a higher cost is because it's it's everywhere and it's against the law to do it. Here in America, it's not against the law to 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 tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah. And so it's it's an interesting dynamic for sure. One of the things, Jason, I wanted to jump, you were talking about just, yeah, in this cost um, and this whole idea of, you know, dying to self, dying and, and, you know, those verses you were quoting, you know, one of the things that I wrestle or we think of the metrics of of what we are bearing fruit is a lot of its numbers are growing a ministry, right? Mm. And, um, and, And yet you look at the life of Jesus and it was Jesus would always get big crowds it seems like often the pattern was when he got big crowds, have really hard things to say and then let them leave, right? Or get a crowd and then, oh, disciples, we got to go to the other side of the lake. It was never to entertain the crowds or, or yeah. draw crowds. And 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 so that's when, again, you, you wrestle with those those truths and you just look at the, the persecuted church. It, church it's the stories I just scripted. It's nonstop suffering. It's being in the hidden place year after year after year, and yet great freedom to share their faith and undergo hard things, and yet the gospel spread. Mm. Yeah, that's right. You know, this verse I shared, it was actually in a time James and I were just praying and sharing together, and and I think, Jason, you ask again, what's, I think, this this comfort we all have, our lives are insulated, right, with comfort. Yeah. Not nice bed, food. I mean, we just have it all. Everything, yeah. everything. And and the question you say, what do we do? I think the the idea of uh, fasting for me has been this thing of saying no. And um, but uh, Hebrews twelve eleven says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So as I've been challenged by these truths, these last weeks, these stories, I think, yeah, I, I, sometimes it's hard for me to know what to do and reconcile, but I know that I need to embrace um, suffering, mm-hmm. embrace this discipline of the Lord, and and I can choose to endure it and, and head the way of the cross by denying myself, by saying no to things, by intentionally suffering, getting up early to pray, or there are times what James, what you mentioned, where the Lord will bring us under that. You know, that's the time when my brother passed away and had years of kind of that wilderness. That was a time of discipline the Lord brought me under, right? Um, but I think there's, I guess I, I will find myself not intentionally going that way. And what I think I'm challenging myself is I need to intentionally be under the discipline of the Lord. Again, through fasting, prayer, whatever it is, but denying myself. And and I can only do that by the grace of God. Yeah, that's right. What are you looking at over there, James? I was just, just as we've been talking, just through suffering, just through obedience, and um, Jesus just talks about how we're going to be sent out as sheep among the wolves for the sake of his name. And uh, to think that we're not going to face these things, whether it's suffering in our in our personal lives or persecution, uh, for for talking about the faith, just for us to think that we can escape that. Yeah, I mean, Jesus said very clearly, a disciple is not above his teacher, and uh, it's enough to be like him or the servant like his master. But to think 
to think that we could escape it is really not right thinking. Hmm. And Jesus said, it's going to, it's, it's enough to be like me. Don't, don't think you're going to be above me. Yeah. If I did it, it's going to happen to you too, because you're, because you're becoming Christ-like. I remember there was a long time in my life when I would think about sharing my faith. And, um, in fact, I was actually taught this and they said, well, if you go out and you share your faith and people, people reject that message, it's okay because they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And I walked around with that for a while thinking, well, that's okay. You know, I'll just share my faith and man, that's too bad. They're rejecting Jesus. At least I wasn't rejected is really the outcome of that message. And I'm, you know, and I remember the Lord finally telling me, you're associated with me. Yeah. And wow. if they're rejecting you uh, or rejecting me, they're also rejecting you and you need to get over that yeah. and, and quit. Wow. And so I don't know. It's just kind of fun to become like your teacher or the servant, like his master. Grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. You know, those, the, the Matthew 10, and I think, were you quoting in Luke, Luke, maybe 11 and, um, I don't know where you were at. I think I was in Matthew 10. No, you were in Matthew 10 yeah. too. So, you know, it's easy with my heart to see the kingdom come. It's easy to look at the beginning verses, right? Jesus called the 12 and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirit, till diseases and sicknesses. I, I love those. But then it's when you jump down quickly, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Mm. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues, right? That's He just tells them straight he up. He just tells them straight up. So you're going to have great power. You're going to you're going to do these great things, right? And again, I think it, it, and so when I read these stories and here I realize this is the normal Christian experience for majority right. of the world. Is you see great power, right? When they're sharing the power of God's on and the sick are healed, the dead are raised, and they're also going to be flogged just like and and you read that in Acts. It was the normal thing there. And so I think Again, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this and not, not yeah, shrink back from that. I yeah, guess. and let's just call it what it is, man. Like we're is if that's normal Christianity, am I being a normal Christian? You know <laughs> what I mean? And you know, not to throw stones or whatever, you know what I mean. But that's a, that's a, that is a challenge. You know, if Jesus is telling these people, look, you're gonna you're, you're gonna get beat up, you're gonna get in prison. But over here, you know, we're soft, man. Over here, and I believe that wholeheartedly. And I'm not gonna apologize to anybody for saying that about the church in America. I will not apologize. We are soft, and we have too long. You know, we we've just sat underneath this umbrella. You know what I mean? And just getting fat and sassy. That's all we. That's all we're doing. You know, and so. Man, the the affliction in my experience has always created the yearning. You know what I mean. And when you find the yearning, you find the seeking. When you find the seeking, you find God. Yeah. You know. And so, how can you know? We're not adapting this kind of mindset. We're not adapting the mindset of you know what God. Let me suffer so that I can know you more. It's mm-hmm. no God. Show me your ways, but but please just do it by God. blessing me and blessing me only. <laughs> only blessing, please. Just I can't really handle anything else. You know. And I've been guilty of that. I'm not saying you know. I, I'm telling. I'm talking about myself here too. You know what I mean. 
we need to get out of that. So we need to be in our renewed mind. And I think that this is a lesson that the persecuted church abroad can teach us. Look, this is the way it's supposed to be. And you're right, James. Why would we ever think? Why would we ever think that we that they would be different for us? And if we are thinking that, then we're thinking that we're above the master, man. That's that's right. And we're also making this world our home. You know, I mean, we have we have such great comfort here in the United States, and to think that this peace should should last and that we should is is it's really indicative of the fact that we we do long for peace. It's just the peace is first of all a person named Jesus. He he gives that to us, but also uh, it's we're longing for eternity, Mm. and and we have to recognize reality, as Matthew said. Yeah. Is this is normal Christian life is is to push the gospel and advance the kingdom, uh, and and so Jesus is doing that, and he's looking for people who are willing to to move into that into that normalcy and give up temporary peace so they can gain what will not fade or or perish, which is lasting peace that comes through him. Amen. Just to to quote, you know, I, I said normal Christianity, and people will say, well, this isn't maybe normal of what I've seen, but in the, the book, in the, the second one, they do the insanity of obedience. He quotes um, this guy, Paul Marshall of Freedom House, and they said 80% of the world's believers who are practicing their faith live in persecution. Mm-hmm. So 80%. So he, again, he defines that a believer as somebody that's actively you know following Jesus. Mm-hmm. So some, this is not just a lukewarm. They're saying somebody that really is going to church, active as a disciple, sharing their faith, 80% of those believers under undergo persecution. So that's hmm. whether that stat this is this guy quoting, but that shows that if we're not in undergoing persecution, we are definitely in the minority of what has been normal in the world. Yeah. Wow. There's Philippians three verse ten, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So even the apostle Paul in writing is saying, I, w- I want to know the Lord and I want to know his suffering as well. So that that was a desire that Paul had. And I can tell you, I don't, I don't want to know suffering. I don't want to be well acquainted with discomfort and pain. No, I, but it's necessary. It is, it is so necessary, you know, and to know the power you know, blessed are you when you've been when you're reviled because of me. You know what I mean? It's the power of God that comes through and that carries you through in those times, man. And what a you know, and I'm not saying seeking after a high, but can you imagine can you imagine the way that these people are feeling when they're being persecuted for their faith, but like what carries them through, you know what I mean? Cause you're thinking about it. You're like, man, how do they endure those kind of things being chopped up and, you know, getting their wigs split and all sorts of different things. You know, how do they endure that kind of stuff, man? It can't be anything else but the power of God. And so if we're not experiencing persecution, this is why I was saying that I was kind of envious, you know what I mean? In a, in a sense, which is kind of sick if you think about it, but in a, in a way, you know, envious of, Man, I want what they have. You know, I want to see that kind of relationship. You know, and because I feel so stagnant sometimes, and so pampered, and so you know, distracted that I'm not even. I'm not even. I, I don't even feel sometimes like I'm an actual Christian. Sometimes, like, man, is this is this even real to me? And so I'm so envious sometimes of that. And I'm not saying that I that I that I'm glad that they're suffering, but man, like to know that kind of relationship. You know, to deepen that and to broaden that. You know, I just. I, I, I could I could go into detail about the kind of message that we've portrayed as the gospel 
different watered down versions, you know, prosperity. There's a lot of stuff out there, right. different gospels. But I mean, what is, what is the real message of Christ? Like somebody just lay it out there for me because it's, it's not pretty. It's offensive. It's not, and everybody uses this phrase, it's not come to Jesus and everything's going to be butterflies and rainbows, right? But what if we left out and, you know, why are we, I guess, afraid to put forth that message of death? I mean, the gospel is good news, but it's a message of death. And Jesus said, come to me and die to yourself, lose your life. Take up a cross. Take up a cross, hate your mother, father. I mean, these were hard teachings, and there were probably not a lot of people raising their hand, like, I want that, you know? And obviously, I mean, it's revealed by the Father. The Holy Spirit comes in, regenerates. By it, we cry, Abba, Father, we're sons. So then we desire our Lord. And so even as, like, the Spirit in me is, is now longing for the deeper relationship and suffering and true knowledge of the Father and power of the Spirit for the gospel of Jesus, that in me is yearning. But I can tell you, when I walk out this door, you know, it's I go back to my my air conditioned home. I go back to my my soft mattress. I go back to my hot and cold water. You know, I go back to these things. And so it's kind of like how I, just somebody. How do we escape? You know, how yeah. do we escape that mind frame? Well, some just somebody give me the message. What does it need to sound like in contrast to what it has been sounding like? Go on, you James. James. I seen it. I seen it. I saw the twinkle in his eye. Nobody wants to tackle it. <laughs> that was for you, Casey. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got some, James. I've got Mark eight as well. Go ahead. I was. I'll I was read that, and read then Romans. if you want to jump, sure. Yeah, let's just. I'll read this, and I mean, we've already talked some, but. Mark 8, you know, the heart of the gospel here, heart of discipleship. Jesus says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said, you do not have in mind the concerns of the God, but merely human concerns. Mm. Then he called the crowd and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And he, he goes on, and I think that's the heart of the gospel, the heart of discipleship is, yeah. is having the things of, of God, which means laying down everything that I have, every single comfort, all of my rights, as an American, right, I, I want rights, but it's laying down absolutely everything, yeah. everything that I have laying down and saying, Jesus, my life is absolutely yours at every moment, my money, my house. And again, we say that we surrender, but that's actually what it is. It's really not caring about my individual rights. Right. And and so I don't know. James, and that and that sounds to some people that sounds terrible. So what? Why? Why do we do this? We do it because we we have to have it. We have. I mean, we we die apart from Him without it. I mean, but that's not our necessarily our motivation. Hopefully, because we don't even want to be motivated by what we get, but what what He gets, and He 
he calls us his inheritance mm. and we get to call him our inheritance. And so when we were separated from him, scripture says in Romans five, eight, um, he, while we were still separated, Christ died for us in our sin while we were weak, while we were far away, we didn't even recognize we needed saving. Yeah. God did something for mankind and he, and he did it so that sin could be swallowed up in victory. And so sin doesn't actually have to uh, lead to our death. That Instead, we can have uh, life everlasting in Jesus and that we can have we can rejoice and know and have the presence of God living inside of us there through faith. Um, he, I mean, we see in Scripture all the time, I mean, Matthew and I have talked about this a lot, of the heart of God is the heart of a father who runs out of his house to his wayward child mm -hmm. in order to bring them uh, back to himself. And when, when we come back, it's not that, well, you look what you did. You really, you ruined all of my life and I had to give you all of these things. And what'd you do with it? You wasted it. And stays like, come back, let's throw a party. What was lost is now found. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's what God has done for us. He has, he has taken what is far off and separated. We are incapable of getting to him. While we were weak, he, at the right time, he died for us. Yeah. And to re we have to, but in that, we have to recognize, okay, well, I was weak and I was separated. And we don't have any righteousness for him to look at and say, well, that, I'll accept that. There's just nothing there. In fact, all we do is we bring filthy rags to him. <laughs> and he's like, why are you bringing me such filth? Do you think that's righteous? And I say that, I don't say that condescendingly. I recognize that's what the Lord really taught me. I grew up in church and I did all the right things and I lived quite a quite a decent moral life for the most part. And I used to think, well, I, God, what about this? He's like, don't bring me that. Not, I mean, Get that out of my house. That's right. He didn't do it rudely. He did it lovingly, but I'm summarizing it's, in it's my like own. A, it's like a dog bringing a dead bird or a dead rat you know, to the back door That's and it's right. like, master, look what I brought you. Right. <laughs> get, get that off my deck, get, please. Get Thank you. <laughs> but you know, but why do we do it? You know, I know, I know this, I don't know a whole lot in my life. You know what I mean? I've, I've made some poor decisions. I've done a whole lot of stuff, but I do know this, that a life, a life apart from God is no life at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've seen the worst, you know what I mean? And that's the burning passion that has to be, man, to know that we've been brought back into the fold mm. and that God has done. It cost God, you know, when a lot of, and I want to talk about, not, I'm not going to go on very much about this, but, you know, a lot of people say, well, what did Jesus give up? You know what I mean? It says when he's given up all these things or did, oh, did he give up his godness? Did he give up his, his rights as God, you know, whatever. But I think what it really what it gave what he gave up was the life of god it cost god his eternal life right he had to die at so you know what i mean and so it cost him life you know and so such a great cost you and, and to know what he did and to recognize what he did you know and to bring us back you know when he could have just let us go you know and that has to be the forefront you know of of why we do that why do we do this because people need to know that's mm -hmm. why because they're in darkness and they're in blindness and they yes. need to know you know and the self is gets in the way the self it is self and you know and it's funny cuz I, I just jason doesn't like the faith flip but <laughs> but i hey you know what matt's been sitting here the whole time i didn't i did not 
I, my Bible has been sitting on this the entire time, and it's in Colossians, Colossians 3 through 4, right in front of me. It's talking about everything we were just talking about, yeah. talking about put to death, therefore, you know, the things that are in you. And even mm-hmm. still, on the f- further instructions right here, which is what I wanted to go into about what can we do for the persecuted, because you said something very interesting before the, before the podcast started, was that we think that we need to be sending money and help and aid and all these things to people, when actually that's the furthest thing from, you know, what they need. Because, yeah. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Too, but right here in Colossians 4, uh, 2 through 6, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open us uh, open us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ mm-hmm. on account of which I am in prison, that <laughs> I may speak it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders and making the best use of the time. Let your spe- speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer to each person. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for any of those things. He asked for prayer for an open door door that's all mm. we should be asking wow. for and when i see when i see and just like my experience with the pastors in india you know we gave them money you know what i mean and i saw what happened what money does to a man what greed does to yes. a man it stirs something up that it causes people to go astray you you take fat sums of money over to a place like that and you watch quickly how much it will destroy a man you know what i mean and we saw that jason mm, you know yeah. what I mean? we, we, we we're still dealing with that in a yeah. sense you know and i you, you it, i we thought it was a good idea you know, let's just give them a fat sack of cash and and see what happens. And it didn't work out the way that we thought, yeah. you know. And so prayer, 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 yes. you know, thinking about them, even encouraging them. You know what I mean? I, I talk to Sanjay all the time, man, and I'm getting I'm getting upset right now because I don't talk to him enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like and he's out there, he goes into the into the into the woods, into India, into these these far distant villages, reaching people for the gospel. And I don't even talk to the guy hardly ever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and to to encourage him, to mm-hmm. encourage our brothers yeah. and our and our sisters who are dying over there and who yeah. are doing it because you know what? I'm I'm not doing it sometimes, man. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. James, I think it'd be, you know, as we talk about ways we can be involved. The one thing I'll say, and then James, I'd love to hear just your journey from what you and Stephanie have been called to do. But, you know, the one thing that he he says, what we should all do is the persecuted church said, we are in persecution so that you can share the gospel in freedom, right? That we Mm -hmm. have freedom. So let's be mindful. How do we stand with them? By boldly demonstrating the gospel and sharing. So that's the one thing. But James, I'd love to hear what it what if you know you were over there on your trip, you guys are even praying, do we go there? And and yeah, just your story so moved me, what they asked and what you guys have been even called to do Thursday nights at your home. Yeah. Well, I mean it's you know, being here, you know, you, you kinda have the general mindset of what you, you do think uh, they may need. And obviously, you know, we have a heart to see prayer increase and disciple making increase and so we go um but just really being there and saying okay lord well we want to be humble and we want to serve instead of simply take our ideas and try to force them upon people and uh we're americans we get stuff done right right so um but just being there watching and uh so, so I'm observing some, praying some, trying to engage. Um, what what really comes out of every conversation, it didn't matter which country I was in. In fact, one guy just just full on. I mean, he's underground church. He's he's hidden. You know, no one no one knows what he's doing, and uh, and he's um, 
and he doesn't have money. I mean, people, I mean, the word got out that he can, you know, when he prays, people get delivered. And, and so they start calling him to some quite a, quite a drive hour or two away. And, and so you start, you know, using up all your money in gas and, and he's, he, and, and he realized, I don't, I don't even have money to do that. I have to rely upon the Lord to bring money. But the, so my natural instinct, well, we, he needs money. And, and so just in this conversation, um, we just, we just told him, you know, we've been praying. He goes, good. You know, like, I mean, just with joy, like joy comes on him in, in that. And he, and he just calls us out. He says, that's what we need from America. Wow. Is your prayers we don't need your money. We need you to pray for us. That is your, that is your work, America pray for us. And that was just, I mean, we had, my wife and I had already been feeling that, okay, the Lord has begun to put assignment on us to pray for, for this region and for, uh, the gospel move forward and for the church. But when he just, just full on said, um, this is what you're to be doing. If you could do anything, it's pray for us. And, and so we came back and we, we knew like we were just, just in visiting other countries. It was just very clear. The Lord says, I just want you to pray and I want you to stir the church to pray. And so we've been doing that as Matthew was alluding to, um, weekly in our home on Thursday nights, we gathered, uh, with whoever will be there. And we, we do, we pray for, for the church in the middle East. Um, but we even call people to pray. And so if anybody listening wants to set an alarm on their phone, it, uh, for here in central time, uh, eight o'clock at night is, you know, eight, we're eight hours behind the middle East. And, and so, you know, roughly in the summer, those first calls to prayer over the city, uh, for Islam goes out about four, between four and five in the morning. And so we want to, uh, pray before then, um, for the Lord to, to break through into that day before darkness is again swept over and so we we do two things we pray daily and we pray in our home weekly with other people and so you pray you're setting your alarm just at eight o'clock yeah it just, just, so it goes. just dings at me and uh, you know well, several other people it's 7 51 right now i know i know we're, we're getting close we're gonna, we're gonna get to pray on the and podcast so, for for yeah that's good. tight yeah and uh but just knowing, okay, well, what we're doing is the very thing that they actually request. And and so when we first came back and we started doing this, we started praying consistently. There was a real season where like, we're not doing anything. <laughs> like, again, we're Americans. We like to get stuff done. I, I need to accomplish something. We want to see immediate fruit. Yes. And so we started results. realizing what we're doing is the most important thing. You know, we, we look at prayer and we say, well, that's not really a thing. You know, that's, yes, it's something we should be doing, but it's not getting stuff done. It's not an actual thing to accomplish. Then we realize what prayer is. And we're talking, entering, I mean, we have unlimited access to the throne of God. He made a way where we can approach the throne of grace with confidence in unlimited measure. We can come there continually before him and cry out. And if we're willing to do that, we're, I mean, it's spiritual warfare. Like we can actually ask God to move and he's willing to listen and do that. I mean, like who, who are we as men to be able to do this? But yet God made a way and he honors when we pray. In fact, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and cry out to me. Like he desires this kind of interaction. He longs to move. I think he longs to move on the earth 
and he's waiting for people to even pray and cry out to him to do yeah. it. And then he shifts things in those prayers. Yes. He listens. And one of the things, you know, I've been a handful of times, so we I go there and, and one of the times, so they get requests. And so one of the requests was for a family member that is one of the countries, they didn't have any water, right? And they had already been praying. So that night... Yeah, ISIS cut off water. ISIS cut off water in Syria, right? Mm-hmm. I think we can say that. Yep. And, and and so it's in... And so ISIS has cut it off. And so we're praying. And so, you know, we get the word out. We're in Isaiah prophesying, reading these scriptures. And there was a roar as we... You know, I think it, you're partnering with the Lord. And yeah. there was something that faith filled this living room, right? You realize that this, we are seated in the heavenly place. And it's like, no, I, we're here. We're in the presence of Jesus. And we're just declaring the words of God back to him and, and talking. And and it's not till the next day. I, I mean, right away, the next day, we find out yeah. what, James, what was the... Yeah. And so, in fact, same day. So, like, again, that eight-hour difference, we were praying early morning. And so later that day, we get... Uh, a call from our friend who's in who's not in Syria, but his family is is still there, and and his only response was, "Thanks for praying water in into Syria. My family has water." Wow! And and so just, I mean, that's a just knowing. Okay, we well we have assignment. Not only my wife and I specifically have assignment, but here in America, if we would actually take up this role, and so Hebrews thirteen three says, "Remember those in prison as if you were there in prison with them." And so prayer is that place where that interaction, I think, that begins to take place. When we say, well, we have all these comforts. How do we get past all these comforts? And, and, and Casey, you were saying earlier, man, I just need a little bit of what they have. I think in prayer, that interaction begins to take place. Amen. That's we we yeah. begin to get their faith. It's great faith. They have so much faith. Yes, they do. And we begin to receive that, and we begin to send them comfort when we pray. Mm. And the Lord just does this. It's an exchange. This, yes. It's an amazing Dang. thing. And, and in the spiritual realm, that's God trippy. is moving those things. And that's how we stand shoulder to shoulder with the persecuted church, is is just by crying out to God on their behalf. That's trippy, man. I love that. It is, but it's true. I like we that. keep seeing it over and over and over it is again. True. They give us, the, they they exchange our, their faith with us, and we exchange our comfort. Yeah, yeah, it's not like we get on a plane and we go sit in prison with them and bring encourage. I mean, I guess maybe, but we, I mean, even as you were saying, voice of the martyrs. I mean, they even encourage letter writing. We can write letters of encouragement and send it. Yeah, you know, and so I mean, that's another way to do it. But man, prayer releases the the power of God, you know? And so it just, it's quite a privilege to say um, we can pray when we, and we have to get past the fact that it's not really doing anything. It's actually doing a lot. A lot more than we could ever accomplish. Yeah. I think that's, again, the, the warfare. The Lord, the enemy doesn't want us, Prince. So we're distracted. Exactly. And and not sober-minded. Very distracted. So that I can't pray. And so that's well, why, again, this sober-minded clarity, what? So I can pray. Yeah. Mm. That's right. Amen. No, Amen. it just, man, just hits me again. Yes, that's right. I'm it encouraged is. to pray again. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I'm encouraged to pray. I'm encouraged to pray. Yeah, sober yeah. mind. I think that's a thing that we just say, let's pray for clarity of mind. And again, for me, the simple thing is I just, I'm in these stories. As I read these stories, it's making me sober about my own life, right? Mm-hmm. And it really, as I read wow. these stories, I entered mm-hmm. a prayer. And again, just the last week, and it was like, wow, I've been kind of saturating myself in these stories. I'm listening to the book of Acts. And then when I'm hearing real things to pray about, I'm my faith is kind of primed. It's been 
pump, you know, I'm ready to enter right in. I'm not cold because I'm actually, yeah. I'm, I've been engaging my heart a little bit in these yeah, stories. Gosh, and that's and that speaks to me too because like just the past couple of days I've been feeling so off, man. I'm like, golly, I, I'm just not feeling them around me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm kind of like, ugh, you know. And then you get to the podcast and I'm like, man, I don't, I got nothing to give. And then I get encouraged, and now my, you know, like yeah. I'm encouraged. I'm like, okay. There it is, you know what I mean? And so now, like you say, you get encouraged to pray, you get around believers, you get it, you talk about these serious things, these these awesome, glorious things, and then you get encouraged, and you're like, oh, man, okay, there, we're back, baby, you know what I mean? Like, it's time to go, you know? There's there's life again, amen. This is yeah. what Scripture talks about, iron iron sharpening iron. Yeah. yeah. We sharpen each other, we we quicken each other in the Spirit, and the Spirit, through our giftings, just stirs up faith and hope rises and up, joy yeah. and and all these things mission yeah yep let's well, uh let's close the prayer by by or i mean close the podcast prayer. with the prayer that you guys do at eight o'clock because that's i mean it's almost eight o'clock anyway yeah. bro cool go ahead james yeah well, we have a lot. i just want to read one more thing okay. for sure. for listeners this is probably one of the things that first I guess say I say messed me up a little bit for yeah, that's awesome for uh, in regards to persecution. I remember um, someone talking about uh, persecution hitting their their village, and um, and, and the natural response was, um, "This is so sad. This is so so horrible. What has taken place?" And people, I think I think the story was regarding some people were burned, and um, the mother of this uh, young lady said no 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 blessed we're blessed we're blessed and uh and so goodness jesus even said in the uh, in the beatitudes it says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad and doesn't that just I need to rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. rejoice like it, it, man, it really messes Gosh. with your flesh. Yeah. Um, for your reward is great in heaven. Mm. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And if I may, I want to read one more thing. I back in April, um, when the uh, in Egypt, when they when on Palm Sunday, when they were um, when they were bombed, mm -hmm. I sent an email to a. Uh, to a brother in the Lord down there that I know. And I just said, Hey, we want you to know we're praying for you. And, uh, and we just, we really just care about the, your country and we care about the, the church down there and that you're not standing alone in that. And he sent me back some, some things regarding what took place there and some things that aren't really reported in the media. And then he shared, uh, actually a video and then he shared something else. There was at the funerals, uh, of the people, he says this, the funerals were a mixture of wailing and rejoicing, as one of the bishops explained. And, and then again, it's this blessed are those who are persecuted kind of thought. It says, true, we love martyrdom. Isn't that something? But we also love life. We don't hate life on earth. God created us to on earth to live, not die. The fact that we accept death doesn't mean our blood is cheap. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to us. We do not commit suicide, but rather witness for Christ, whether by our lives or by our transition to heaven. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. And so 
I, I just say that to encourage us yeah. that, and, and, you know, and even sometimes I think we look at martyrdom and, and say that's, you know, and that is, I mean, Jesus said you haven't, I think it was Jesus, you know, you haven't re- resisted, resisted to the point, of, the death, point of shedding blood. Or Hebrews point of 12. Yeah. So it's, um, but alive, living, bearing witness amidst difficulty is just as possibly hard. You know, just, I mean, getting Bibles into countries is just as hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's quite a, you know, and just to encourage people to live also, you know, I mean, I think sometimes we can even say, I'm going to, I'll die for Christ. You know, I think we even had this, come, we'll die for Christ. Of once, course. Once Jesus you live is worth for it. him though. Yeah, that's right. Fullness. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, um, what are we doing to really step out into those things even now because it's happening people are risking their lives daily to to live and and sure there might be some rough waters ahead and you may end up giving your life but um there's no loss in it jesus is the reward Mm. amen my heart stirred good film presence on that that's good amen i'll let you guys uh close it out in prayer sounds good yep So God, we we thank you, and just even again, um, Lord, for for those believers in Egypt, and um, God, the under underwent that that bombing and the suffering, and we lift up these believers. We ask the gospel of Jesus Christ would spread, God, and we pray for courage, God, as they lost loved ones. We pray for forgiveness and courage, and we ask Jesus again that the gospel would spread in Egypt. We thank you for that place, and we we just, Jesus, even remember your prophecy in in Isaiah 19, the highway between Egypt, Israel, and Assyria, and Syria. So we pray, God, for peace, and we pray you would establish a highway, God, for the gospel to go forth, God. And so, Jesus, we pray even tonight, um, or it's tonight here, but in the morning as the the, um, prayers go, God, we pray that um, you would strengthen believers and those that, and those that don't know you, Jesus, would look to you. We pray for the visions and dreams that Muslims have. We pray that even now that they would see you, Jesus, and that you would encourage and give boldness to our believers there. So we thank you, God, for them. They are our heroes. We love them, and we, we're honored that we get a stand with them as, as brothers. Yes. I thank you for everybody that's been listening, and I pray encouragement to them. I pray, God, as they've heard these stories, and that they would um, engage their hearts. I bless um, bless the listeners even, God, that their hearts would be stirred. So encourage them. Speak to them, Jesus. And we pray you would do a movement of prayer in the United States to stand for the persecuted church. Yeah. So move, God, in this city, in Wichita, and across the United States, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you see your church, all of it. You see the persecution they endure. And you said in Hebrews, never will I leave you or forsake you. And so, Lord, we just pray that you send comfort to the church around the world that's enduring great hardship for the sake of your name. We pray you would bring 
comfort to them and your presence to them in a fresh new way. We pray if they're sitting in a prison cell and they have no access to the scriptures that you would remind them of your word. Your spirit would preach to them and you would encourage them in the inner place, Father. We just pray over the Middle East that you would pray you would bring truth and light into a dark place. We pray you would penetrate hearts that are set and hard and that you would soften it. We pray for, as as Matthew prayed, for visions and dreams in the middle of the night of the resurrected Jesus. We pray for your church to be bold, that they would go out amidst uh, dangers and they they would speak of Jesus. And we pray for many to come to faith. We pray that you would get as you're worthy people from every tongue, tribe, Mm. people, and nation, worshiping and praising you. You are worthy, and so we ask you, God, to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Do it, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move in the regions that do not have access to the gospel and move in our hearts here to be a people of prayer, that we would stand with the persecuted and say, I'm with you. I'm with you. And we would cry out to you, God, for them. You would awaken your church to prayer. Mm. Move in all of us. Let us become one with the persecuted church. You you have one bride you're coming for. And so we want to be united with our brothers and sisters in dangerous places. God, we do pray for their protection, but we also pray more that your name would fill the earth. In Christ's name. Amen. 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 Mm. Mm. It's good. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm-